I really struggled as I prayed and asked God to help me prepare this sermon because the title that actually fits it is not a title that any pastor would want to put on a message. But I want to talk to you today about the nation that turned its back on God. And my goodness, as we we look around and as we see the reality of the times that we live in here in 2014... You've got to ask yourself the question, with all the changes that have taken place, will America go down in history as the nation that turned its back on God? And of course, we, the remnant, the believers, we that love the Lord Jesus Christ, and we that take delight in knowing him and walking with him and and seeing the the good things that he does, we, we struggle that this might be a reality, but we have to know that truth speaks for itself. And in Hosea chapter 4, although it is not specifically written to the United States of America, we weren't even born yet, uh, and of course it's, it's, it's speaking here to the northern tribe of Judah, but because God's word is eternal, and because we put God's word in proper perspective, And because we must be true to the text of God's word, this is an applicable word for America today. So as I read these first 10 verses to you and with you today, um, you're probably going to be like me as you hear the truth read here. It's hard to envision, envision the northern tribe of Judah. Never been there. But it's very easy to see the truth as it applies to America. So let's begin reading in verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. For the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying, killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break all restraint with bloodshed after bloodshed. Therefore the land will mourn, and everyone who dwells there will waste away with the beast of the field and the birds of the air. Even the fish of the sea will be taken away. Now let no man contend or reprove another, for your people are like those who contend with the priest. Therefore you shall stumble in the day. The prophet also shall stumble with you in the night, and I will destroy your mother. Now listen. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Folks, this is coming from God's mouth. I will forget your children. And I get, I get these pictures in my mind of the inner cities all across America, the wasteland that many have become, desolate lands with roving gangs of, of youth who, who have guns and who commit bloodshed and the fear that uh, is in the hearts and minds of those who still live there. <laughs> and we're not talking about northern Judah. We're talking about here in the heartland of America. These very indictments 
that God speaks to Judah are being spoken against America today. And who, who among us can stand and boldly say, no, that wouldn't be applying to us. But it is. But it is. I've got some old statistics here that are interesting. Uh, They start in 1940. Well, let me back up. In 1962, some of you weren't born yet, but some of you were, a few of you. And that's the year that they took prayer out of the public school. And many of us remember that. Since they did that, teenage pregnancies went up over 500%. Divorce rates have become so high and rampant in America that there are children that have grown up and never had a clue what a normal, loving family life was supposed to be about. They just never, they never had it. In 1940, there there are seven things that were the greatest problems in the school system compared to a, a, a new survey that was taken in 1990, and it's not much different today, it's just worse. In 1940, the number one problem was talking out of turn. Yeah. In 1990, it was drug abuse. The number two thing in 1940 was chewing gum. Y'all are doing that right now. And in 1990, it was alcohol abuse. And we're talking about with kids. The number three thing in 1940 was making noise. In schools in 1990, it was pregnancy. The number four thing in 1940 was running in the halls. Anybody here ever guilty of that? But in 1990, it was suicide among the kids. The number five thing was cutting in line. In 1990, it was rape. The number six was dress code violations in 1940. In 1990, it was armed robbery. Number seven was littering in 1940 and assault in 1990. Big change, wasn't it? In the beginning days of America, before any of us was here, in the infant stages of our country, the number one textbook was the Bible, the Holy Word of God. And they used it because they said it would give and instill in the lives of the children a moral compass. We have a great spiritual historian who is still alive today by the name of David Barton who has gathered these facts for us. And now he says, and I'm quoting him, the courts of our land have revised the First Amendment thus erecting a wall of atheism around every public school in America where, wherein our God is not allowed to be mentioned. Earlier, Daryl was talking about the Good News Club. And I can tell you, we live in a rare part of the United States of America that we even have the privilege to talk about Jesus to these kids after school. 
Because I can assure you, the day will probably come when the ACLU or the atheist will find out about it and they will do their dead level best to bring it to a screeching halt. And the courts of our land will back them up. There's an old gospel song written by a group called the Steels, and he says, something is wrong in America. Truer words were never spoken. <clears throat> because now in 2014, we have churches in America that are ordaining homosexuals. They are committing same-sex marriages in the church buildings. In Kentucky just this past year, the first transgender pastor was ordained and installed in a Baptist church in Kentucky. God help us. There's a, there's a line in that song that I just made reference to. And here's what he says. If the Bible says it's right, it's right. And if the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. And folks, I don't give a rip dip potato chip what the political correct crowd says. God says that homosexuality is an abomination. It's wrong. There are no gray matters there. There is no in between. It is a sin before a holy God. And we are being force fed to accept it. I refuse. All this going on in America. And I could just go down the list and talk about all these terrible things that are going on. But you know what? I'd rather spend the other part of my sermon telling you that we don't have to get stuck in the quicksand of this world. Now, I'm sure we've probably got some, uh, some news junkies in here. And you get up every morning and turn on the news channel, and, and you just want to see what's going on. There's nothing wrong with current events. I mean, we need to know what's going on in our world, just like we needed to know what's going on in the Ukraine, so we can pray for our brothers and sisters. But God tells us in Matthew chapter 5 and verse, th verse 13 that we're the salt of the earth. We're the salt of the earth. He said, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its savor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. There are so many uses for salt. So many uses. In generations gone by and in the centuries before us, they, um, they used salt to preserve from corruption. This is how they kept their, their food from, from getting bacteria and uh, from poisoning the food. So salt was vital for this purpose. And actual, actual wars were waged over salt. There was a time when the Roman army was paid with a bag of salt. Someone told me between the services, the word salary comes from a root word meaning salt. It was row, wasn't it? Yeah. So salt is a very good thing for Jesus to use as an illustration here. And I believe he had uh, uh, two central thoughts in mind when he said it. And the first one is the preservation factor of salt. But see, he wasn't necessarily talking about 
you know, keeping the meat fresh. He's talking to you and I as born-again believers, as kingdom servants, that we can prevent corruption in this present world. If we'll just be salt, if we will do what the Lord expects of us, we can, we can be the salt and light in a world that's full of darkness and, and putrefaction and rotten sin, and we can make a difference. That's what we're supposed to be about. If, if God had no plan for us after we got saved, he'd just go ahead and take us to heaven. I mean, there would be no purpose. Why would we want to stay here? If God did not have a kingdom plan and a kingdom purpose for our life, he could just take us on to glory. But that's not the case. The reality is that this planet earth that we live on right now is in dire need of Christ's church. And the church has been going backwards instead of forward. The church fell asleep with its head in the lap of the world. And while the church slept, all pandemonium broke loose. That's why America is in the shape she's in today. Because Christians have not been fulfilling their kingdom purpose. There's another purpose, the second function of salt. And, and it's to add flavor. Or we could use the word, it would add interest. Jesus spoke of the dangers of salt losing its saltiness. In God's kingdom plan and his kingdom purpose, the last thing it should be is boring. Jerry was here in the first service and I saw him sitting back there and I was reminded of last year he got up on Sunday night and there was a little boy here and he, he was there in the morning service and Jerry said, are you coming back tonight? And he said, I don't know, is it going to be boring? <laughs> well... I mean, that's a good question from a, a, a child, but, but the Christian life should be anything but boring. Folks, when we have life from the Son of God and we live life, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. When we start letting God put us on that wheel and mold us and make us into what he wants us to be, and we are, we are conformed to the image of Christ, life can be very interesting. And it can be exciting and it can be interesting the problem is that there's a lot of Christians today capable of living the kingdom life like a dead person. I mean, think about it. They, they are. They are filling the pews. And when it comes time to do something for the glory of God, their answer and their mindset is somebody else will do this. I don't have to. And they will live and unfortunately, some will die and never taste the goodness of the Lord. Folks, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what your convictions are about doing something for the kingdom of God. But let me tell you this. There are no exemptions. When you got saved, you became a part of not just God's family, but you're in the army of God. And that means there's times when you must leave your comfort zone. We can't drag you. We can't make you. But I'm preaching this morning, I can shame you. And, and, and you know what? And, and you should be ashamed. 
I mean, if, if, if the son of the living God came on this earth and gave his life's blood to save us, who are we to say no to him? And he tells us clearly in the word, don't you know you've been bought with a price? The precious blood of Jesus and you're not your own? So, and Paul even said, it's, it's just reasonable to present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, holy and acceptable. So the things that you fear to do, the things that you don't want to do, the things that you say I will not, I cannot do. He even gave us Philippians 4.13. Remember that? Oh, I do. I'll say it for you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hey, you're looking at a simple-minded Tennessee boy that never, ever, ever dreamed that when I grew up and was over 55 years old, no, over 50, because I was not 55 yet, that I would be in, in, in Africa preaching the word of God. I, didn't, I never dreamed it. And I'm only telling you that because here's the way you got to look at it. If he can do it, I can do it. I, I, I never dreamed I'd be over there for the Lord. And there's still people today that are scared to death to step outside their comfort zone or get on an airplane or leave this country or go do something for the glory of God. Folks, let me tell you something. The first trip we ever made, the first time we were ever on the ground in Africa, we were chased by two carloads of robbers at night. And only by the grace of God did our little vehicle go faster. And you know what I figured out? I figured out why it happened. Because God was trying to show me that it's more dangerous to be out of the will of God than to be in Africa chased by robbers. Because he's got me in his hand. And if he'll do that for me, he'll do that for you. Because the Bible says God is no respecter of persons. He loves us all, but he's called us all. And if somebody can find a clause in the Great Commission where there's some exemptions there, please see me after service because I need to read that. And I'll, even, I'll, I'll interrupt Jerry next week and I'll get up and apologize. Don't think it's going to happen. Too many Christians are capable of living the kingdom life like a dead person. Don't get stuck in the quicksand of this world. Watch the news. Take it all in. But if you are only taking in the negative and you're not spending time in God's precious word, you, my friend, are out of balance. And it can be very dangerous. And it can be very depressing. And it can overload your system to the point of a nervous breakdown. Believe me, I know. I've got, I've got my oldest grandson in Afghanistan right now in harm's way, and don't you think that I pray day and night for him? And don't you think I get angry when I see like what happened several weeks ago when, when our commander-in-chief let the five most dangerous men in the Taliban go in exchange for a traitor? I was angry. 
And you ask my wife, I can go from zero to extreme anger in a nanosecond. And I was that angry. Because we've got men and women in harm's way around this world. And we're playing with their lives. And I don't care this morning if you're Republican or Democrat or Independent. None of that matters. What matters is who is the Lord of your life? And if Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, regardless of your political affiliation, we're going to spend eternity together. So we better start getting along down here and concern ourselves with the Bible. There's so many people today and they say, oh, you can't mix religion with politics. You can't do it. You shouldn't do it. You shouldn't do it. Well, Jesus did. He did. Listen, we've got, a, we've got a mandate from God to make sure that those that are our elected representatives that serve us are godly people. And if they are voting for ungodly things, we don't need to vote for them. I don't care what your political affiliation is. I do care that you call yourself a Christian and you don't act like it. It's not about political interest. It's about the word of God. And you know what? Sometimes it's not popular. Jesus did not come to be popular. He came to set the captives free. And he said that just by, by doing the will of his father, he would separate mothers from daughters and fathers from sons and families would be torn asunder because they took a stand for God. That's the problem today. That's why children are growing up and they're not knowing what families are all about because their families are not willing to stand for anything. What are you willing to stand for this morning? I mean, when the going really gets tough, what will you stand for? Because I can guarantee you, your faith is going to be put to the test. There's going to come a time when like that old commercial that said the rubber will meet the road. Your faith will be put to the test and it will, it will be like the rubber on the pavement. And your real you will come out. How much do you trust God? How much do you believe the Bible? Hey, it's one thing to be in the middle of a Bible study surrounded by a bunch of Christians and speaking a word for the Lord. But it's another thing to be in the workplace around a bunch of heathen, nasty, foul-mouthed, talking, dirty, joke-telling people and tell them that offends me. Why can't you tell them that? The atheists are not bashful. They're coming against everything that we stand for and we're being quiet. I don't know about you, but I am so sick and tired of atheists running the show. In Philippians chapter 2, it says there's coming a day when every knee is going to bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That means when that day comes, those foul-mouthed, God-cursing atheists and evil people that hate our Jesus, they're going to, they're going to find themselves so overwhelmed that they will be in the kneeling position looking up at a holy God. And they will hear from their own mouth, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Christ is Lord. But it'll be too late. Because when they stand before him, he will say, depart from me for I never knew you. 
they'll know he's God. But because they rejected him, he will not know them. I don't know about you, but I had an old missionary that just impacted my life when he made this statement. I love Jesus. And when I die, I'm going to heaven. And I want to take as many people with me as I can. That's a good thing, isn't it? That's a good thing. That's exactly why me and Betty stay in this church. Because of what we do for the Great Commission. All over the world. We've got brothers and sisters this morning. They are in harm's way. They are, they are losing family members. Some of the ones that we know are dying for the cause of Christ. We're a nation at war. We've lost thousands and thousands of our young men and women. And yet we can continue on with the mindset that life goes on day to day. Folks, you better wake up and realize that we are in a battle. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and let me wind it down. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. We don't have control of the news media. We don't have control of the newspapers. We don't have control of the radio waves. And I know that there's got to be in a crowd this big, some people sitting out there saying, well, it's so negative, I don't even listen to it anymore. And that's okay, that's your choice. Doesn't change anything, because it's still going to happen. But you don't have to listen to it. But here's what you do need to know. That while this world rages around us, and while this diabolical scheme and plan of the devil which is diabolically opposed to a holy God, is all being carried out in the world we live in. It's the, it's the battle of good against evil. And while that takes place, you and I, while we're breathing God's air on this earth, must realize that we are a part of the battle that the devil rages for the mind and the soul And God gives us a way. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles means his schemes, his dirty plans. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Stand. Are you willing to take a stand for anything? If, if, if the church was ever in a time that we need to be heard, we need to have a voice, we need to see young people that are on fire for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to see old people get up off their duffs and out of the pews and equip these young people and encourage them and mentor them and teach them because they're the hope of tomorrow. It's now. And God gives us the tools. 
stand therefore. Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. I hear these atheist groups rising up. I see the ACLU taking away religious liberties almost on a daily basis. And I want to have that bold voice to say one day you'll stand before a holy God. And the Bible tells us to beware because the day will come when they will call evil good and good evil. Folks, we're living it. We're seeing it. So we need to be bold. We need to realize I said a few minutes ago how concerned I got. I thought I'd have a nervous breakdown worrying about my grandson. And then I remembered because my brother Jim said it was so fresh on him and God just breathed it all over him when he was on his last trip. Psalm 91. And I close after this. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right side, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your habitation. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near you or your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you. To keep you in all your ways, they shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot, because he has set his love upon me. Therefore I will deliver him, I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, I will answer him, I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life, I will satisfy him. And show him my salvation. Folks, when you find yourself stuck in that quicksand that the world will get you all bound up in. And when you find yourself out of balance because you're listening to all the negative and you're not taking in any of the good things from God. And one of the best things is right here in this book. When you find yourself so overwhelmed that you think a nervous breakdown is imminent, get in the word. And the word will get in you. And you will find sweet peace and you will find rest and you will find that God will breathe his peace on you in a way that is so tangible you will think you're sitting in his lap and he's got his arms around you. When I was a little boy, one of the things that scared me the most was, was the dark. 
And, and I used to beg my mother at night, will you please keep a light on because I'm scared. I know it's hard to imagine somebody as big as me scared of the dark, but I was little then. And in the daytime, I can remember going places like downtown in Chicago where I grew up and I'd be afraid and I'd reach my hand up and I'd feel my daddy's hand take mine. And when my daddy took my hand, I was not afraid of anything. Today, as a child of God, as you read through Psalm 91, reach up because your daddy will take your hand and he'll hold on to you. And there ain't nothing that's going to get you. No booger bear, no devil, not even it says the arrows that fly by day because God has you in his hand. Oh, listen. In, in the study of the end times, I don't see how a nation under God can fit into the end times. As you read, I don't see where America fits in there. I don't see that. But you know what hurts me? It's going down like we are. It's going down without a fight. Folks, has, has the devil whipped all the fight out of us? Because God can love it right back into you. And you know how he does it? Just by saying, I'm worthy. I'm worthy. If Jesus can die for us, if Paul can write what he wrote about the armor of God while he's in chains, what can we do while we sit on pews with the freedom to come and go as we please? What can we do for the glory of God? I'll tell you what you can do. You can stand. Let's do that. I don't know where you are today in your walk with the Lord. I, maybe you're like I was a few weeks ago and you're just overwhelmed and, and, uh, and all done in and, and in need of, of some good old peace from God. I tell you, a good place to come find it is right here at this altar this morning. I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal. I pray God will bless you and give you a good week, but I pray that you won't go away from here the same as you were when you came in because you got challenged, not from me, but from the Holy Spirit of God. Because if I know my God like I think I do, and I think I do, he's faithful. And his word will not return void. So if you need a fresh touch, he's got it. If you need your batteries charged, he's the charger. If you're sick, and need to be anointed with oil and have the elders pray for you, we got the oil, we got the time. But God is a God who will meet you at the point of your need this morning. Young or old alike, it doesn't make any difference. He loves you. He loves you. And he wants to be your friend. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I love my nation. God, it hurts to see the shape that she's in. Ungodly leadership. Lord, Christians who are intimidated by political correctness. Preachers who are compromising. Lord, it's a dismal picture. 
until we get in the Word. And we realize, dear God, that you have the last say. And God, I pray for my brother and my sister here this morning that's hurting. Whatever it is, dear God, I don't know, don't need to know, but you know exactly what it is. And God, when we get ourselves in such a shape that we just don't see a way out, Lord, it's like that's when you do your best work. So, Father, meet that one or whoever today at the point of their need and give them peace in their life. God, we pray, we ask this all in the precious, mighty, strong name of Jesus.